0: Here it is!
1: From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen from the home of the homeless, after what an amazing carnival season in New Orleans. If, if, uh, if we got to have climate change, 78 degrees in late February in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana is a good deal. Um, What's happening with our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia? Well, King Salman, you remember him. He's the king of Saudi Arabia. He's just paid a visit to Indonesia, the world's largest Muslim nation. Can they come here from there? And uh, because he's the king of Saudi Arabia and he can do this, He arrived, according to the Independent Newspaper of London, with two Mercedeses and 459 tons of luggage. Because he reads a lot of books. What? Anyway, why why is he visiting Indonesia? Not just to read books. Well, kind of. Saudi Arabia aims to open more Islamic schools in Indonesia. These are the Madrasas, which reporting all over the place tells us have been opened, yes, to educate the uh, citizenry, but also to spread the Wahhabi brand of Islam. The uh, Saudis are also going to increase the number of scholarships for students to get more kids in the door. This is a very close, tight and friendly relation, said the Indonesian cabinet secretary, Promono Anung. Fringe Islamic, Islamist extremist groups are growing in influence in Indonesia. Just a nutty coincidence. Muslim leaders are taking an increasingly strict line on Islamic issues. That is at odds with Indonesia's traditional brand of moderate Islam. But that won't last long. Now, Thanks to our freedom loving friends in Saudi Arabia. Hello, welcome to the show.
0: Don't you try to hold my world up Don't you try to hold my world Some heart and soul, but that's not what your love is for. Lay your burden down, and we'll both be stronger. Don't you try to hold my world up? Don't you try to hold my world? Don't you try to hold my world up? Don't you try to hold my world? So you that you had never used. All you got to do is go ahead and wake up. Don't you try to hold my world up? Don't you try to hold my world? Don't you try to hold my world up? Don't you try to hold my world? Don't you try to hold my world up? Don't you try to hold my world? Don't you try to hold my world up? Don't you try to hold? my
1: From the edge of America, from the home of the homeless, I'm Harry Shearer. Welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of bad banks. Is that a redundancy?
0: Bad bank.
1: This is about Wells Fargo. You remember last year, Wells Fargo copped to uh, selling or otherwise imposing accounts, checking accounts, credit card accounts, other accounts, on people who didn't want them, hadn't ordered them, didn't know they had them, and then charging them fees, because it was their way of serving the community. Anyway, they've now warned investors the bank may find more than the 2.1 million victims, they said we the targets of their predation. And it also uh, has announced U.S. authorities are examining whether other firms, presumably financial firms, abused Wells Fargo's technology to violate international sanctions. I thought that was HSBC's job. The bank has expanded a review into how employees pitched accounts and other products to customers, looking at a broader time frame. Let's pull back. And it's now refining its methodology to identify any improper sales. Bloomberg reported this uh, in an annual regulatory file filing, I blame the regulators. quote this work could lead to among other things, an increase in the identified number of potentially impacted customers in the other matter, Wells Fargo said it discovered overseas banks were using its software tools. they're just tools this poor workman who blames with uh, to finance trade with countries and entities subject to u s sanctions doesn't appear that any of the transactions flowed through accounts at the bank. Leaders of the San Francisco-based lender I Blame San Francisco have been working since September to restore its reputation and assuage public furor after authorities fined the company $185 million and sent several bank officials to j- No, no bank officials to jail after possibly opening more than 2 million retail bank accounts without customers' approval. It's a virgin crime. Nobody did it. The bank has vowed to investigate what happened and make customers whole and make their executives half. No, not the second part. Wells says it has spent $3.2 million giving refunds to customers, identified in the early review. And the bank announced this week it is going to withhold last year's cash bonuses from eight senior executives, including the chief executive officer and the chief financial officer. And because they're Going to ge- No, they're not. And it's going to claw back equity linked compensation received earlier because the board of directors is holding management accountable for the account scandal, unlike the government, which isn't. The decisions will pull about $32 million in pay and equity awards from the executives. These actions, decided at the end of last month, weren't meant to signify findings of improper behavior, according to the chairman of the bank. I guess they're just the bank's way of saying Happy Black History Month. The board of directors investigation is continuing because it is such a bad bank. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to read the trades for you. Would you let me do that? I think you would because I've been listening in on your conversations, much like Facebook. Speaking of which... From Courthouse News, not exactly a trade, but it's a news service of what's going on in our courthouses. Facebook agrees to cut back on its snooping. I think you want me to read this for you. Facebook has agreed to stop reading its users' private messages for targeted ads to settle a class action suit that claims it broke federal and state laws by doing so without consent. That damned consent. Lead plaintiffs Matthew Campbell and Michael Hurley sued in federal court in 2013 claiming Facebook scanned its users' private Facebook messages for URLs to third-party websites and used the information to generate likes for those websites and targeted advertising aimed at users plaintiffs said that scanning private messages without consent violated the federal wiretap act you know like obama i mean and california's invasion of privacy act under the terms of the settlement facebook agrees to stop using data from urls and private messages to target advertising and to stop sharing user da- user data with third parties and increasing the number of likes on third-party websites facebook does claim it cl- stopped doing those things during the three-year litigation According to the settlement, it says it has begun telling users that it collects content from their messages and it explains how it uses that content. Facebook has also agreed to include language on its Help Center website, disclosing that it identifies and stores links in messages, including the number of times a link was shared. So, maybe some reduced snooping, maybe just some increased disclosure. It's a win-win! From Ad Age, Google is going to let advertisers target YouTube ads based on people's search histories, giving brands a whole new perspective into the consumer mindset. Brands could start to consider pushing video ads to YouTube viewers who recently searched for a retail product, travel destination, or movie showtime. There has been targeting on YouTube based on what what videos people watch there, said one top advertising executive speaking on condition of anonymity because of a close relationship with Google, which used to not do evil. Now, for anyone logged in, he says, their search history can be applied to targeting on YouTube. There's some interesting possibilities there, and it greatly expands the audience advertisers could reach. Unquote. Google search data is considered among the most powerful information for guiding advertising. Google has kept it under tight wraps, careful when applying it toward out uh, ads outside the search experience google faces extra scrutiny from regulators and privacy advocates when it comes to collecting consumer data and applying it to its ad products for years the company kept a wall between search and other ad products but increased competition from facebook has made that commitment impractical google users can turn off ads personalization in their settings you know how to do that right As more viewership on YouTube shifts to mobile, your phone, we're making it easier for advertisers to deliver more relevant, useful ads across screens, said Dia Jolly, YouTube's Director of Product Management. Now, information from activity associated with users' Google accounts, such as demographic information and past searches, may be used to influence the ads those users see on YouTube. More than 50% of YouTube video is viewed on the phone. And as if you weren't aware enough that if you don't pay for a a service, you are the product, comes this from Creative Review, a British trade. Brands in the next five years, according to British Business Insider, it's quoting another trade, estimates uh, brands are going to spend around $5 trillion on the Internet of Things. Leading digital living research company, Parks Associates, predicts that there will be almost 55 million smart home devices in our homes by 2020. But imagine the following scene is 10 p.m. on a Friday night in 2019. You're committed to another dry January, and it's been a very, very long week. You find yourself in the kitchen. Your washing machine is wailing at you. From all angles of the house, your latest five voice assistants wake up and start vying. For that all-important product reorder, each one trying to out-trump the other with more and more outlandish one-liners. The fridge starts to squeal at you. Your milk supply is low, and the latest medical wearable kicks into action. In order for all of us not to simply reach for the mute button, brands need to start future-proofing for the sound of tomorrow. The continuously evolving professions of user interface have shied away from sound in the past, and for good reason. Ultimately, anything unnecessary for the end user should be eliminated. Visual user interfaces are dominant at the moment. We have screens. We don't need to hear something if we can see it's happened. But there are some user interface sounds out there, bucking the trend. Of course, a swift sequence of notes tells you your iPhone battery is about to die. A major chord notifies you you've sold those old Levi's on eBay. There's the Twitter refresh droplet and the Facebook Messenger bubble. As we move towards an era of advanced virtual assistants, more voice and gesture interaction and less visual interfaces, sound will become more important. Apple's email swoosh is an early example of this. Voice will no doubt play play a major part in this, but sound and music have the ability to add further brand emotion or familiarity to an experience. Sonification is the concept of auditing data and visualizing it through sound. Central devices will be hubs for all your smart information, collating data from the cloud and sonifying it back to you. How your brand sounds amidst all the others in this cluttered environment will need to be designed with care. Branding, marketing, and advertising product and sound design teams will need to work in tandem in order to craft the best usability and eliminate any superfluous function. Clients are th- starting to think about what sound world they want to own in the future. I'm digging the future, an attitude I adopt ironically when I read the trades for you. And speaking of smart homes, you know about the, or you may know about the uh, little thing that happened to Amazon Web Services, which is the leading purveyor of cloud services. The cloud is not a thing in the sky, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. It's a bunch of computer servers sitting on a a farm in some rural part of the country with low tax rates. And the one in um, the East Coast... Amazon's first server farm kind of had a crash this week because of a typographical error typed in by a human, human error. Who would have thunk it? I thought we were beyond human error. And so um, not only did a lot of websites and apps go down, but so did a lot of Internet-connected things. And the Internet of Things, that is to say, People couldn't turn on their light bulbs if they're Internet-connected light bulbs, if they were connected through the Amazon cloud that failed for several hours on Tuesday. But wait, there's more. Internet of Things devices from a Chinese vendor contain a weird backdoor that the vendor is refusing to fix, according to the British tech journal The Register. The vulnerability was discovered in almost all devices produced by DB. LTech and appears to have been purposely built in as a debugging aid according to researchers at Trustwave the Trustwave people say they followed a responsible disclosure process but they claim the manufacturer responded only with modifications to its firmware mmm I like firmware that leaves the access open then the vendor cut off contact with Trustwave entirely the security firm says it has since been able to write exploits that open both the old and new back doors. So they can get into your light bulb by the front door. Or Did you know that your light bulb had a front door and a back door? This is a wonderful future we're going into. Don't you want to live in a smart home? Do you already? One, two,
2: Here. Don't you know he says it all? And that's why I love my baby. Yeah, that's why I love my baby. Yeah, that's why. I Don't you know he aims to please me, and that's why I love my baby. Yeah, it's why I love. smile and that's why I love my
1: Of the Olympic movement, produced by Jim Ebersole Jr. You know, I I, I think we're experiencing a period where. Uh, Cities bidding to host news of the Olympic movement want to get out of the business. That's how bad it's getting. This week it was announced Hong Kong has made the final shortlist for the 2022 Gay Games. The country's bid is expected to draw 15,000 competitors. That's on a par with regular Olympic Games attendance. The Gay Games were founded in 1982 in San Francisco. We were originally called the Gay Olympics. He was uh, the founder of Tom Waddell was then sued by the International Olympics Committee and the USOC for using the word Olympics. In court, Waddell's lawyer argued there had been no issue with the word being used by everything from the Junior Olympics and the Police Olympics to the Beer Olympics. Clearly, said Waddell, this was about discrimination against LGBT people. Yet the USOC prevailed in court. And so this quadrennial event, soon to happen in Hong Kong perhaps, has been known ever since as the Gay Games. A Brazilian businessman, meanwhile back at the Olympics, gave $2 million to the son of Lamine Diak, the now disgraced former president of the Track and Field Federation, at the time also a member of the International Olympic Committee, just three days before Rio won the right to host the 2016 Olympics. This is a new revelation by the French newspaper Le Monde. Citing sources among French investigators, the paper said it had concrete information that Pamudzi Consulting, a company founded by Papa Masata Diak, received a $1.5 million payment from a home- holding company based in the British Virgin Islands, Diak Jr. At the time, a marketing executive for the Track and Field Federation received $500,000 from the same company, which was transferred to a bank account in Russia. There's that Russia again. What are they up to? The International Olympic Committee has launched an investigation into the revelations and into further allegations against Frankie Fredericks, the former Namibian sprinter who is now an IOC member and head of the 2024 Olympics Evaluation Commission. He denies any wrongdoing. According to the paper, French investigators believe the money may have been used to influence the election for the 2016 Olympics. That was in Copenhagen, Copenhagen in 2009. It said French investigators had established the holding company is linked to a Brazilian businessman who specializes in subcontracting. It also alleged the businessman had been involved with many construction deals with the state of Rio related to the Olympic Games. Jack Jr., who was banned from athletics for life last year and is currently on the run from Interpol, told Le Monde, good luck for your article when asked for his response. Last year, The Guardian revealed how the Tokyo Olympic bid team made a $1.4 million payment to the Black Tidings secret bank account in Singapore, which is linked to Diak Jr. During Japan's successful race to hold the 2020 Games. His dad, Diak Sr., is currently in custody in France, facing charges of money laundering and corruption. It runs in the family. Family that gets paid together, gets paid. Something together. The joint bid for the Olympic and Paralympic Games between Singapore and Malaysia ain't happening, according to the Singapore National Olympic Council. The SNOC! In a statement this week, the SNOC said while the Rio Games was a successful one for Singapore, because they won a gold medal, hosting the Games is not on our cards right now as we are unable to meet the requirements and demands of organizing an event of such magnitude, i.e., money sink. Talk around the possible joint bid began three years ago after the IOC passed its Olympic agenda 2020. It introduced new bidding rules, including one that permits joint national bids. Don't get excited, kids. A tactic to reduce venue construction and share costs among more stakeholders. Stakes good. 2020 uh, reform also makes it cheaper for cities to bid on the Olympics the second time and third time around. It's a quantity to discount. The uh, president of the Olympic Council of Malaysia said that if the cost for bidding could be reduced, then Malaysia would have a chance to host the Games. That could be accomplished by joining forces with Singapore or by putting them on the moon. No, he didn't say that, but it's equally likely. He said a, a preliminary preliminary discussion between two people had occurred. Paul Manafort, one of them. Malaysia and Singapore have fully equipped facilities such as hotels, airports, and transport. If the IOC makes the cost of bidding cheaper or there's a different system, I feel it would make a lot of sense, said the Malaysian Olympic Council president. And uh, if his grandmother had wheels, she'd be a bicycle. Singapore played host to the inaugural Youth Olympic Games. Wow, there's that word that The gays aren't allowed to use. In 2010, due to the soaring costs and soured public opinion over hosting the games, according to GamesBids.com, the IOC has been struggling to attract and retain viable host cities. As you know, Budapest bailed last week. Because the Olympics, it's a movement, and we all need one every day. And now, the apologies of the week. Well, you know, the Motion Picture Academy did apologize for the uh, screw-up with the envelopes at last week's Oscar ceremony. They also issued another apology. The Academy apologized to producer Jan Chapman for mistakenly including her picture, In the Oscar telecast's In Memoriam segment, or as they call it backstage, the Necrology Package. True story. Chapman's photo was used instead of Janet Patterson's, an Oscar-nominated costume designer who died last October. The organization also apologized to the Patterson family. We sincerely apologize to Jan Chapman, whose photo was mistakenly used in the In Memoriam tribute for her colleague and dear friend, the late Janet Patterson. The organization said in an Instagram post, Janet, an Academy member and four time Oscar nominated costume designer, designer was beloved in our community. We extend our deepest apologies and condolences to the Patterson family. The apology came more than 48 hours after the telecast. Well, they had parties. Fairfield, Connecticut, Board of Education Chairman Tom Serrard apologized to about 25 parents assembled this week before a special meeting. The parents protesting held signs that included printouts of the memes Serrard had posted on his personal Facebook page. One included a picture of President Abraham Lincoln and said, Haven't seen the Democrats this mad since we took away their slaves. Serrard says little doubt exists that his posts were offensive to some. I know that I'm held to the highest standards of professional conduct and that I fail to leave up, live up to these standards he said in a statement before the board meeting I apologize to my fellow board members the teachers of our fine school district the parents and students who I serve I think he means whom but it, you know what the hell it's a school district and the voters of Enfield Connecticut who gave me their trust to represent them Amazon Web Services as I noted It apologized for disruptions to its storage service and dozens of other services in its northern Virginia data center region this week. The Amazon subsidiary also detailed steps it's taking to prevent similar outages in the future. We want to apologize for the impact this event had caused for our customers. While we're proud of our long track record of availability with Amazon S3, we know how critical this service is to our customers, their applications and end users, that's you, and their businesses. We will do everything we can to learn from this event and use it to improve our availability even further. The Amazon Simple Storage Service Team, S3, was debugging an issue when guy uh, hit a typo. Don't you feel better as an end-user, fellow end-user? Deadline Nassau, the Bahamas. A somber and penitent Bahamian Prime Minister, Perry Christie, faced his nation and apologized for making an obscene gesture at a political meeting over the weekend. Christie has been at the center of a public furor after sticking up his middle finger at a public meeting Sunday night, offering his deepest expressions of regret in a statement delivered to the legislature. Yes, uh, this week. I really stand to express my regret to indicate specifically that it related to specific individuals. At a political meeting, a pumped-up Christie had shocked his supporters when he made the middle finger gesture after detailing that it was how he had responded to a man who challenged him to deny that he owned a particular condominium. There was never any intention to speak to any other person or issue other than those who were attacking me or my family, he said. Politics gets rough even in the Bahamas. Deadline Richmond, Texas, a Houston area school district is apologizing after an administrator told Muslim students they need to obtain permission from an imam to wear hijabs in school. The Fort Bend School District, not, a, not the one in India, said in a statement that students at Bush High School, named after Barbara I'm sure, were given misinformation about needing documentation in order to wear a headscarf in school. At least one student took to Twitter to say an assistant principal had said a letter or email was needed from an imam explaining that a Muslim girl was following tradition in wearing the hijab. Students say the order was a result of an effort to prevent students from covering their heads. Well, that's just good bomb technique, isn't it? The Dallas Morning News reported the district said in its statement that documentation is not needed to wear a headscarf for religious purposes. Glad we cleaned that up. U.S. Representative Mike Boast, Republican of Illinois, is under fire after reportedly comparing recent town hall meetings hosted by members of Congress, you know, with the crowds yelling at them and stuff, to, the, quote, the cleansing that the Orientals used to do unquote, apparently referring to struggle sessions held during the Chinese Cultural Revolution under Mao Zedong, in which individuals were publicly humiliated and attacked by crowds. The amount of time I have at home is minimal. I need to make sure it's productive, Boast was quoted to have said in a meeting with the editorial board of the Southern Illinoisian newspaper. You know the cleansing that the Orientals used to do, where you'd put one person out in front and 900 people yell at them? That's not what we need, unquote. The Asian-Pacific American Caucus Took to Twitter to call boast out for his use of the term oriental in a statement to CNN he re- said he regretted his word choice I used a poor choice of words in describing the coordinated disruptions taking place across the country he said while there was no malicious intent I regret that my words may have distracted from an important point yeah I forgot what the point he was he was making He's right. Dayline, Houston, Taco Bell has fired one of its employees and apologized after an offensive note was scribbled on an order handed to a Houston police officer. The bag containing the officer's food had the message F pigs written on the bottom. F was the first initial of a word. The incident happened on the same day, Two Houston Police Department officials were uh, officers, actually, were shot in southwest Houston. The officer posted a picture of the bag on Facebook and called his union, which contacted taco bell the chain terminated the employee involved they apologized to the officer and to every single houston police officer deadline middlebury vermont the president of middlebury college apologized to a political scientist whose speech on campus was blocked by student protesters he blamed some of the ensuing violence on outside agitators why don't they stay outside why do they come inside they don't like fresh air, apparently, these, these agitators. Quote As many of you are aware, by now a large group of student protesters disrupted Charles Murray's talk in Wilson Hall. I'm deeply disappointed by the events that I witnessed, and it was painful for many people in our community to experience, said the President, Laurie Patton, of the Middlebury, Vermont based liberal arts college. Charles Murray wrote The Bell Curve, which uh, purported to prove that some people weren't as smart as others based on heredity. He's a scholar in culture and freedom at the American Enterprise Institute. The Southern Poverty Law Center considers him a white nationalist. Hundreds of chanting students drowned out Murray as he attempted to speak. The college announced he would speak from another location on campus. Students continued their protest. In addition, as he was leaving the Student Center, a group of demonstrators aggressively confronted Murray and a local professor, Allison Stanger. We believe many of these protesters were outside agitators, but there are indications Middlebury students were involved as well, said the president. I extend my sincerest apologies to everyone who came in good faith to participate in a serious discussion, and particularly to Mr. Murray and Professor Stanger for the way they were treated during the event, and especially afterward, said the president of the college. Stanger, a professor of international politics, was injured in the confrontation. That is the most painful place, of course, to be injured. Deadline New Orleans. Paul Tunerman chief business officer for Tales of the Cocktail a prominent national conference for bartenders and the liquor industry that is held in New Orleans every summer and the husband of founder of the event Ann Tunerman resigned over the weekend after a flurry of public apologies posted on the organization's website and social media channels it started with Ann's ride in the Zulu parade on Mardi Gras morning he is executive director of Tales of the Cocktail? No, she is. He's the chief business officer. Okay. She posted a Facebook Live video while wearing Zulu's traditional costume Tuesday morning. The costume includes blackface makeup. The caption on the post, which has since been removed, read, Paul G. Tunerman, interviewing me and Mardi Gras morning from the Zulu den, as he said, throw a little blackface on and you lose all your media skills. He did his best as the interviewer. (laughs) The post drew criticism on social media from people who were offended either by the depiction of blackface the connotation of the caption, or both. Anne Tunerman issued an apology Friday afternoon, followed a few hours later by a second apology announcing her husband's resignation. Anne wrote, It was a naive and inconsiderate action, the consequences of which have made it clear I have much to learn. Unquote. Blackface is an integral part of Zulu. The early morning parade from the Zulu. Social aid and pleasure club that it's among the most prominent events on the annual New Orleans Carnival calendar. Zulu is the oldest and most important crew from the city's African American community. It's common for people of other races to ride in the parade. Both Paul and Anne are white. Full disclosure my first Mardi Gras, I rode in the Zulu parade and had the experience of being blacked up by some African American folks in the parade. At 5 in the morning at the Hilton. That's one you don't forget. Deadline Peoria, Illinois, after federal law enforcement agents raided three of its facilities this week, possibly due to a tax strategy that shifts billions of dollars in profits to a subsidiary in Switzerland, Peoria-based Caterpillar apologized to its staff. In a memo to employees, CEO Jim Umpleby said, I'm sorry we had to experience this today. He said he believes the raids are connected in part to a previous matter related to our Switzerland-based subsidiary that has been under review for more than three years. Uh, three years ago, Caterpillar reps were called to testify before a U.S. Senate subcommittee about a tax strategy that shifted po- profits to Switzerland. But they're good American jobs making profits for Switzerland. The TSA this week started using a new and more rigorous pat-down, which one resident who flew out of Reading, California's airport, likened to groin security, said the airport manager. I apologize if somebody felt like they had a bad experience out here. Eh, enjoy your experience. Sir Rod Stewart has offered his deepest apologies after he was filmed appearing to stage a mock execution in the desert. A video posted on what else social media appeared to show the singer reenact a beheading similar to those used by so-called Islamic State or by the Saudi Arabian government. He said his actions were misinterpreted. He said he and his friends were playing out Game of Thrones while larking about before a show. The clip has since been deleted from his wife's Instagram account. Former NBA star and current Israeli basketball player Amari Stoudemire apologized this week for homophobic comments he made in a recent interview saying he had been joking. He was known for his joking in the NBA, wasn't he? And Deadline Dubuque, Iowa, more than 150 people gathered at the University of Dubuque. They have a university in Dubuque? To discuss how to respond after two students posted a photo of themselves in blackface on social media, sparking outrage at the school and surrounding communities. The image featured two white women with dark clay or paint on their faces above the words, Celebrate Black History. Both students apologized at the event. The Apologies of the Week, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. What a week for (laughs) President Trump. (laughs) President Trump. Uh, Yeah, it amuses me to say those words. Um. of course, he started with that uh, speech to a joint session of Congress, the substitute State of the Union Address, because he doesn't know the State of the Union yet. The first speech the president delivers to Congress is always the faux State of the Union Address. As a result, got high marks for reading the teleprompter and, not, uh, and for being good Trump, not bad Trump, for being presidential, uh, at least from the pundits. Meanwhile, the journalists were receiving leaks that uh, were to the effect that attorney general jeff sessions had had two contacts with a russian the russian ambassador to the united states during the uh, one once during the uh, republican convention and a second time in september uh that led to a furor over sessions contacts with the russians uh, after which he announced he was recusing himself from any further investigations of Russian possible Russian involvement in meddling in the United States election campaign. Arnold Schwarzenegger announced he was leaving the new rebooted version of The Apprentice. And first thing Saturday morning, Donald Trump issued a tweet storm suggesting that all these leaks, or at least some of these leaks, were the result of President Obama having ordered Trump's tower wiretapped Trump's word in October during the election campaign. There has been reporting that a FISA court did issue a warrant for intercepting some phone calls coming out or or, uh, intercepting the uh, what's coming out of a server that was located in Trump Tower, not necessarily related to Donald Trump. Maybe that's what the source of all this was. It ended up on Breitbart and then on Fox News, which is where, apparently, Trump saw it. But, you know, when I just tell you this, it loses the impact of kind of almost seeing it.
3: This week, for the first time, a long-awaited pivot takes place, and the boardroom takes on a presidential appearance. But unlike Diamonds... PIVOTS AREN'T FOREVER Sean. Uh, The reviews of the speech are over the moon. Uh Even the ones we didn't plan. Especially the ones we
1: didn't plan. You know, the planted ones lack the element of uh, delighted surprise. Some of our in-house communications people did think you you might have done another couple of rehearsals. Rehearsals
3: are for amateurs. The reason I can get so much accomplished is because I skip unnecessary prep time. Well, that's what I told them, sir. Great. You did a good job. (laughs) Now, your task for this week? Yes, sir. Make sure nothing steps on the speech. No stupid surprises. Can you do that? Well, a little hard to guarantee, Mr. President. Lots of other members of your team think they can do it. I've heard people say that. Not a lot of other members on my team, as you know. Forget what I know. I do. What do you say? I'll do my best. Here's the deal. I want better than that. (laughs) Yes, sir? I want you to do my best. Arnold. Yes, sir? Your ratings stink. The network's unhappy. Mark Burnett calls me like every day complaining about you. Mark and I have a great relationship, but they cannot tell you something. Arnold, I should fire you. It's too valuable a franchise to play games with, believe me. But if I fire you now, I step on my speech. Can't do it. I'm just saying, you're in a very big bubble here. You're facing elimination. Can I talk now? Sure. camera's on you. For a second. Mr. President, your name tarnishes everything this program touches. I'm using my own catchphrase on myself. I'm terminating me. What are you saying? I don't watch the show. You can't fire me. I'm quitting. Worse than that. (sighs) Nobody quits on me. What's worse than that? I'm stepping on your speech. Okay. Now I have to tell you this. I didn't want you in the first place. You were Mark's idea. I was holding out for Vin Diesel. I tried so hard to make that show work, but there was always something in the way. It started even before week one. That's when he insisted I had to lighten my hair. Jeff. Mr. President, I can explain... Jeff, you don't have to explain. As I said in my statement, I have total confidence in you. You don't have to recuse yourself. You don't have to recuse anybody. You have a simple task this week. Stay out of the news. Sir, that's going to be difficult. I've decided that uh, my best course of action right now for the sake of the team as well as myself is to do a, a modified limited recusal. I have to say, in all honesty... That's a loser move, Jeff. Well, sir, my my Senate colleagues are going to be a tough bunch to convince. But they know you. That's what I mean. Maybe a task should be to delay your recusing for a week or two. Let all the excitement die down. Over the story of my contacts with the Russians? Over my speech? Mm. You saw the speech, right? Oh, it was so excellent, sir. It was the best speech I'd ever seen in person. Okay. So could you do that? Just hold the recusement until the Reince gives you the okay? Sir, I think in all honesty, the only way I'm going to be able to continue to serve you is to refuse that task. Serve me? (laughs) I've had better service than Elaine's, and they hate me then. I know he feels I'm hurting the team by what I think is helping the team, but I couldn't convince him. I think his mind is too subtle to grasp it. Mike. Yes, sir. You know people who can uh, wiretap, right? I know the agencies that are authorized to do that. You saw my tweets this morning? About the uh, former president ordering that you be wiretapped during, during your... the campaign, right? hmm Your task is to maybe, without ordering it per se, per se, mm-hmm. but uh, to get him wiretapped.
1: Well, I think, in all due respect, that's uh, more in the province of the Attorney General. Ah,
3: he's busy recusing himself all over the place. It's you or no one. You know, sir, I I did attend all the pre-inaugural briefings. I seem to remember some kind of uh, warning against this sort of thing. The briefers are gone. It's just you and me here now. Just me and the guy who used a private email account for government business. Of course, I'm going to defend you. mm Mm-hmm. But accomplishing this task would be a pretty big point on your scoreboard, right?
1: Sir, I think I know what you're really trying to accomplish. What if I go on the Sunday morning shows and just remind people how great your speech was?
3: New team, new tasks, same mission. We are going to make this format great again, and Schwarzenegger's not getting near it. Now... The world is his boardroom, via Presidentis, this week, because you can't not watch.
1: Now, ladies and gentlemen, news of our friend the Atom. Clean, safe. A robot was sent into a Fukushima reactor to inspect and clean the nuclear plant. It had to abruptly end its mission after its camera was fried by excess radiation. This was the first time a robot had entered Unit 2. The robot endured, according to the AP, an estimated radiation of 650 sieverts per hour. It was designed for up to 1,000 sieverts of cumulative experience, I was just two hours in when it got the uh, 650. That level of radiation would kill a human being instantly, but it's a robot. After the cameras started malfunctioning, the team decided to pull the robot back from its mission before losing it entirely. Images captured from the chamber before the robot died showed layers of melted paint, cable insulation, and metal grates. The team was trying to uh, send another robot to assess the structural damage pulling the fo- first robot early meant the follow-up machine will have more work to do and less time to do it, since both robots were designed to withstand the same amount of radiation. The uh, level of radiation its record high is potentially alarming, but the good news is it's contained. There are no reports of new leaks from the plant. Higher levels of radiation could also mean the robot is getting closer to the precise source of radioactivity, that melted fuel. We don't really know where that is. It's down there somewhere. You know, down there, China. Duke Energy, which uh, does business in Florida, among other places, has secured hard-to-get licenses for um, cutting-edge nuclear power plants at sites in Florida and North Carolina. Duke has no current plans to proceed on either project. Years passed since these projects were first proposed, more than a billion dollars, much of it still to be charged to customers via higher electric rates, have been spent on early site preparations. And once was what was once known as the modern design of the chosen nuclear plants, the AP-1000, at both sites, now looks outmoded by newer plans for smaller, less costly, and quicker to build nuclear plants. Duke may now possess federal operating licenses for the nuclear plant equivalent of the Edsel. The AP-1000 from Westinghouse promised to revolutionize the nuclear power industry—this is from the Tampa Bay Times—and to make it a cost-effective competitor to uh, natural gas, coal, oil, and alternative energy resources. Instead, the likely demise of the AP-1000 was reinforced when Japan's corporate giant said it would book a $6.3 billion loss to its U.S. nuclear unit, Westinghouse, which makes the AP1000 the massive write-down, wipes out Toshida, Toshiba's shareholder equity and will force the company to sell off some of its profitable businesses. Bankruptcy is not out of the question. It's a good question. The uh, robot attempting to find the uh, 600 tons of nuclear fuel and debris at Fukushima met its end in less than one day, as we said. The roadmap for Removing the fuel is going to be long 2020 and beyond, says a professor of nuclear science and engineering at MIT, Jacopo Biongiorno. The re-solidified fuel is likely stuck to the vessel wall and vessel internal structures, so the debris will have to be cut, scooped, put into a sealed and shielded container, and then extracted from the containment vessel, all done by robots. Speaking of non-robots, six men were arrested on suspicion of cannabis production following a midnight raid... At a nuclear bunker, 20 rooms in the building with almost everyone converted for the wholesale production of marijuana, according to police, the former British Ministry of Defense bunker was built in the 1980s to protect local dignitaries and government officials in the event of a nuclear attack. Well, still helping keep keeping people chill. Plans to resume operations at the Onagawa nuclear power plant's number two reactor in Japan have taken a hit. The building sustained 1,130 cracks in the walls, lost an estimated 70 percent of structural rigidity in that 2011 earthquake. Tepco, no, sorry, Tohoku Electric Power Company, revealed the extent of the damage at a review meeting earlier this year to investigate plans to bring the power station back online. The uh, company plans to extensively reinforce the damaged building, bolster its quake resistance to pass stricter safety regulations. However, that may be a long way off, according to Asahi.com. As the nuclear watchdog said, it must inspect the cracks before the utility can proceed with the reinforcement project. And that is 1,130 cracks to inspect. Clean, cheap, two-cracked meter. Our friend, the atom. Now, just a little news of the warm, huge, huge slabs of Arctic permafrost in northwest Canada are slumping, slumping slabs of permafrost, ladies and gentlemen. Think of it. And disintegrating, sending large amounts of carbon-rich mud and silt into streams and rivers. A new study that analyzed nearly half a million square miles in northwest Canada found that this permafrost decay is affecting 52,000 square miles, an expanse the size of Alabama. But colder. According to researchers with the Northwest Territories geological survey, the permafrost collapse is intensifying and causing landslides into rivers and lakes that can choke off life downstream. Similar large-scale landscape changes are evident across the Arctic, including Alaska, Siberia, and Scandinavia, the researchers wrote in a paper published in the journal Geology. The study didn't address the issue of greenhouse gas releases from thawing for permafrost, but its findings could help quantify the immense global scale of the thawing and Maybe lead us to change the name of permafrost to temp-frost. And iron particles generated by cities and industry are being dissolved by man-made air pollution and washed into the sea, potentially increasing the amount of greenhouse gases that the world's oceans can absorb, according to a new study. Scientists have long believed that acids formed from human-generated pollution and natural emissions dissolve iron in airborne particles, increasing the amount of iron to the ocean. Now, iron-rich particles from steel manufacturing and coal burning collected in the East China Sea have been found to contain a thick coating containing soluble iron that provides the smoking gun to prove the theory of acid-iron dissolution. Pollute more! Get more carbon stored in the ocean. I know, it's News of the warmer copyrighted feature of this broadcast. gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations over NPR worldwide throughout Europe. The USEN 440 cable system in Japan, around the world through the facilities of the American Forces Network, up and down the east coast of North America by the shortwave giant. It's not big enough to reach the west coast, but still, uh, WBCQ, 7.490 megahertz shortwave on the mighty 104 in Berlin, on the mighty Soho Radio in London. Available for your smartphone through Stitcher.com, available around the world via the internet at two different locations, live and archived whenever you want it. HarryShearer.com and KCSN.org, and available as a free podcast from Sideshow Network, SoundCloud, TuneIn.com, iTunes, and WWNO.org. And it'll be just like Arnold Schwarzenegger taking over this program if you agree to join with me. Then would you already? Thank you very much. Uh huh. Chip at Chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Exile and Hawaii desks. Thanks, as always, to Pam Halstead and to Jenny Lawson at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's program. The email address for this broadcast or podcast or schmodcast, a playlist of the music heard here on, and your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts to bedeck your friends for St. Patrick's Day, you think? All at harryshearer.com. And I'm on Twitter at The Harry Shearer. Show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is easy radio network. So long from the home of the homeless.